Mist Cues is recorded on the traditional and unceded territory of the Katsi, Kwantlen, Lumi, Suwasan, and Wasanich peoples, and also in the Treaty 7 territory, the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy, Tanaha, Miti, and Sutina peoples. Podcast where we talk about theater and we have some drinks. My name is Thomas the Gage. My name is Kate Stadel. And today on the podcast, we're going to talk about a lot of crazy, crazy, crazy shit. But before we get to the crazy shit we're going to talk about, I forgot what we're talking about. Uh, what are we talking um, about, Kate? Yeah. Shut up. Okay. We got to <laughs> get right. down to oh, business. Right. You're angry with me. But before we do that, but before we do that, um, before we, we resolve our Twitter spat for all <laughs> to see... <laughs> Um, Kate, what are you drinking? You motherfucker. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so you're, how you're people insult each other. <laughs> um, I'm drinking my workout drink again. Social light. Lemon cucumber mint. 80 calories. Tom, what are you drinking? Okay, I am I am drinking some gin with some lychee uh, soda water. And it's quite nice. Our favorite president's choice lychee soda water. Yeah. It's good with I gin. Think, I think you would hate it. Probably. But you I ha- don't. You have bad taste, so. Yeah, we've established <laughs> that. Um, Kate, I can't take this anymore. We have to... <laughs> <laughs> we have to clear the air. <laughs> you laid down a challenge on Twitter. You laid down the gauntlet. You slapped me with the with the the gauntlet, saying we're gonna we're gonna take it to the air. This is gonna be the stupidest argument in the history of arguments. Yeah, because usually our arguments are based in the fact that we should just phone each other instead of do things through <laughs> writing. Our <laughs> <laughs> arguments are usually uh, Thomas doesn't give you enough information. Well, that then... too. Yeah. So you tweeted something about something. I, I was in tax fever, man. So. H&R Block and TurboTax are my arch nemeses. And not just because like it's it's the end of April and I'm doing my taxes and and all that, but because they're actually pretty awful companies that lobby uh, the government to uh, keep making taxes more complicated so that they keep on making money instead of um, letting there be any kind of legislation to Is simplify that. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Oh, because I use TurboTax because it's easy. Yeah, but the whole sis- the whole tax system is not easy. It's right. the whole... Anyways. So, anyways, <laughs> turns out, surprise, surprise, no surprise at all, they have, like, this free version that you can use for free if your returns are simple enough. Anyway, they're all boasting or, like, in they, all their HR documentation, talking about how um, they've... Yay, don't, like, steer people away from it. You may do everything you can so that people don't use the free one and they pay for our services which is your typical corporate uh shill kind of move so i tweeted about it i don't remember what i tweeted i wasn't i wasn't impressed with them right i i I used my moment i took my shot used my moment to say (laughs) these people are the devil and uh you swooped in no but you said something about transactional relationships in my first tweet 
Yeah. God damn it. Do we have to now start quoting our tweets? No. I said something of the effect that when you focus on delivering, on solving your 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 prospect's problem, when you focus on um, helping them out, like you, you, if you're a marketer, you are you have a product that solves people's problems, and if you are focused on solving people's problems, then uh, you're going to end up with a positive relationship uh, that that money can't buy, essentially. Right. Brand loyalty. You're going to get brand loyalty. That's that's a better way of developing brand loyalty than making your users need you, because, right. essentially. Right. And okay. I said, not said, all relationships have to be transactional. And right. you said, yes, <laughs> yes, they do. I said, uh, <laughs> I'll agree with commercial that not all relationships need to be commercial, but all relationships are inherently transactional. Yeah. And I and said, I disagree. Take it to the podcast, <laughs> man. Take it to the podcast. I literally just said I disagree. Because <laughs> I don't think that's true. I think that's sad if that's true. Okay, but it's literally, so it is literally just the semantics of what transactional means. Like transactional doesn't mean like we're having a pay, like I, I like we're paying. It's just like there's an, it's a, it's a different word for interaction. A transaction, an interaction. Trans is but trans, across, to me, means like, across, yeah, an action I across. Was, I knew this was going to come down to semantics because to me, transaction <laughs> is the exchange of something. It doesn't have to be money, but it is still yeah. an exchange. Yeah. So why does it have to be transactional? Why can't you just sit something? Communication, first of all, is transactional. There's a message and a recipient, and you transmit a, rec- a, a no, message across. stop that. What I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about is, is what you're saying is you're getting something out of it, and somebody else is getting something out of it. Also true, I would say. Always? Yeah, you, yeah. Like, if you don't get something out of a relationship, you tend to not continue to have a relationship with somebody. That's sad. I is it though? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> is this like that thing where they say there's no such thing as a selfless good deed? Well, no. I don't know. I think though, if we act that way, then I think it's too bad. I think you can't you can't just like hang out and chat with someone for no reason. I, yes, I think that you can. I think that no, no, no. Yeah, but I think that at the core, that relationship is transactional. Like even the having no reason, like just fulfills a certain need for you, right? Like it doesn't have to be like the super conscious. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna take advantage of this relationship and milk this person for everything I can get out of them, right? right? It's not necessarily like this manipulative like hyper-conscious thing, but whatever it is that you get out of the relationship, if it's uh, negative, then you're going to walk away from that relationship. Right? You're just not going to maintain that relationship. Right. Okay. (laughs) I can't think of a way to prove this wrong, but I feel like I probably could eventually. (laughs) I, I mean, and maybe I'm speaking in terms that aren't helpful right but i think that that's like just the basic like social contracts right no, i totally like, know what how... you're saying i'm just trying to think of a way that that can be broken down and like taken away without missing out on a relationship i think that if you enter relationships thinking what's in it for me that's sad right yeah. like i don't think that like so again yeah. like i do want to separate it out from like a conscious idea of yeah uh 
don't milk your friends. Don't, what is it? Use your friends. But, um. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> but he, so, but even, so it's taken out beyond to the actual like substance, right? Which is like, I, I think there's worth maybe pushing on the idea that, well, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I feel like if, especially in marketing, like you're trying to sell product, right? You're trying to like, let's say you're a theater company, you're trying to sell tickets to your show or, uh, yeah. But I think what I was trying to think of was beyond that obvious example. And like, I think that's what you were talking about too, when you were referring to these tax people was beyond just sell and exchange and exploit. Sometimes relationships are just relationships, but maybe eventually they'll become transactional, but at least then they're rooted in deeper meaning. So if you go in personally, I think if you go into them just wanting something out of it, I'm thinking more, I'm now I am back into like a business set of mine, but at least like a not-for-profit business set of mine. It's more helpful, right? Like, um, a more meaningful you know, business mindset. Um, I think it's like, know what someone else is doing and it doesn't have to mean anything for your business. It doesn't have to mean anything for you personally, but sometimes it's just nice to see what other people are up to. Like other companies or like yeah, whatever. patrons? Artists, companies. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know how that's Not even in that, in, and even getting out of that circle, even like just checking out what people are doing so that you have a better understanding of what's going on, you know? Yeah. I like doing that anyway. And I, I think maybe this will help this conversation, right? Like, okay. Because I'm a bad marketer. And I think that that makes me a decent one because I think that what's more important to me rather than uh, selling product, selling product, selling product is helping people. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking too. Yeah. And I do think that the reason I think that makes me a decent one is that ultimately, like if you like... So for all those marketing cynics who are like, well, yeah, well, bottom line, though, like, ultimately, I think that that's a better long term strategy of creating people who actually want to do business with you. Well, because the number one thing that people are moved towards is trust. Yeah. So you can't fake it. You can't. And that's the thing. And I I think that's what you're I think that that's probably what you're trying to pick at is stop making it about the trend. Like even even in like the idea of helping your customers, don't help them to make them a customer. Just fucking help them. Like, don't make it about the transit, the end goal transaction. Like if you're helping them saying you're going to become a trip, you're going to become a customer out of this, right? I'm going to get a customer out of this. You're not actually doing it. You're still like, you're still operating within that, those schema. Yeah. I was thinking too, like though, like, you know, even about you and me being friends, it's like, it just makes me sad, (laughs) but I'm like, well, I guess like we get a podcast out of it, (laughs) but you and you and I like challenge each other to like, think about these like artistic cultural political issues on a regular basis really yeah but you don't think we'd be friends if it wasn't for a podcast you didn't move away i I did move away i I don't skype like once a week with most of my friends in in bc (laughs) sorry mom yeah sorry mom anyways okay well that's good let's play a game Twitter spat resolved. Um, nothing beats the internet. 
Um, okay. So we're just going to keep going with our game. Yeah. What, what, we're, what we're building to. Because we're friends might... again. What? We're friends again. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. We're now we're, we're going to play our game, but we're friends again. Um, unlike at the beginning of the episode, you could have, you probably could tell that we were uh, cold and distant toward each other. But yeah. now we're warm and friendly again uh, because Twitter tears people apart and yeah. face-to-face conversation brings them back together. No matter what the social media are trying to tell you, it's not about connection. It's about money. And we here, we like to trump money. No, not Trump. Overcome. I have a lukewarm drink in my hand because of how much <laughs> you mean to me. Ice cubes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so give me a number from uh, one to eleven. Okay, um, eight. Eight. Blanche. Blanche from Streetcar Named Desire. Um, Wait, excellent. She's the sister that went nuts, right? <laughs> I always get their names mixed up. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Great. Got it. Um, Tennessee Williams knows in his grave that you hate him, just so you know. But the yeah, rest, I know. But the rest and, of and the, the world has loves chosen him too. God, Tennessee I was Williams the only one life. on that battle. Yeah. Oh, but you've won every other battle we've had since then, so it's fine. That's okay. true. Okay, so what does Blanche come with? Give me a number between 1 and 14 for some reason. 2. Two Sweeney Todd's my friends. What? His razors. Oh. My lovely friends. You know way more musicals than me. Okay. Apparently I do, which is surprising because I know very few. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I just forget stuff. Uh, okay. Okay. So Blanche with Sweeney Todd's razors. Okay. And who does she verse? Eleven. Eleven. Babe from Crimes of the Heart. Murderous. Wait, did she end up murdering? Yeah, right? She killed. Yeah. Okay, and then what does she have between 1 and 14? 13. 13. The Macbeth's ambition. Yeah, she already does, kind of, and now she's got a double. What does that mean? <laughs> that sounds like one you came up with. Yeah, that's mine. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Like, because he killed shit? <laughs> the Mac- Well, yeah, because they were like, oh, you are you heard some crazy people say some stuff, and we're going to make it happen uh, now. Hi, I argue that that was lady macbeth's ambition yeah he's but he wasn't he wasn't like yo it's cool yo it's cool wife we're cool like he was like he was tickled he's just easily influenced if you ask me sure you can direct it however you want <laughs> now i want to <laughs> just don't like, if you cast me in it just so you know he gonna be ambitious oh well then i'll just cast someone else <laughs> no i know <laughs> blanche with razors yeah. And then Babe with Ambition. Dude, totally Babe's going to kick ass. She already murdered somebody for show. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm more concerned for Blanche. <laughs> We're always concerned for Blanche. Yeah, I think that Babe gets this one. With Macbeth's Ambition and her street smarts, Although... she, she would probably try to just talk Blanche into things that she shouldn't be doing. Hold on. Because where did Macbeth's ambition lead them? Well, it didn't work out. Didn't he still kill the king, though? Yeah, he killed the king. Yeah, so he succeeded. Who cares? We're not talking about what happens after the verses. We're just talking about the verses. Yeah, I know. It's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. All Mm -hmm. right. So she takes it. All right. Give me another one. I hate it when we agree. Okay. um, Okay, one. One. Hamlet. Man, this is a Shakespeare heavy one. Yeah. Three. Three, Jack's handbag from the importance of being earnest in which he was found. Jack, 
or Ernest, right? He was placed in a handbag and left at a train station and he was found in it. So Hamlet's got that handbag. That It's a handbag full of identity. Who am I? Who am I really? Who's my, who are my parents? It just it messes with his head even more. Who is he versing? <laughs> Ten. Ten. Niels Krogstad. Why did you pick Niels? That's my question. Of all the characters in Doll's house, I, I mean, I guess he's a pretty villainous person. Which one is he? I can't remember he's why I picked him. He blackmails her. Oh, yeah. That's why I picked him. He's a All dick. Right. Yeah, he's <laughs> he a dick. He ruins everything. It's true. He's the one who wants to, like, be with her, and then he blackmails her, right? I just remember he blackmails her. Okay, what does he have? Uh, Four. Four. The Fiddler's Fiddle. Oh, this is weak. <laughs> yeah, they both, like, seem to, like, go into their <laughs> These own are corners. These way too symbolic. <laughs> I don't even know. Uh, I mean, all right. Like we'll, a fiddle? How does a fiddle win a battle? How does a bag win a battle? Blood force trauma, both of them. <laughs> <laughs> the question is, who's got more motivation? Who's more, oh, more murderous? Probably, probably uh, Doll's, Doll's house. Here's what I'll say. Neil's good at blackmailing. Not so great at getting his own hands dirty. Hamlet spends three and a half hours concocting murder, thinking about ways that he can avenge himself. Yeah. Avenge his father. Yeah. You give him a handbag. <laughs> now, that's quicker action. <laughs> <laughs> he had, like, Maybe. swords and shit. <laughs> yeah, throw a handbag in a mix and good. We're, we're, we're done in an hour and a half. Yeah, okay, okay. I still think uh, Doll's House there is going to win... Yeah, I think you're right. He's, he's, <laughs> he's just kind of, yeah. I don't even have a reason. This is the worst game well, ever. It's, <laughs> it's fantastic because Hamlet is just stuck in an existential crisis. Like it's an Uros Burros of excess, existential crisis. Who am I and to be or not to be and all these questions, right? And yeah, who's okay. Ernest? Who the fuck is Ernest? <laughs> Everybody wants to know. All right. Neil's Krogstad for the win. I love it. All right. If you think that somebody else should have taken it, then keep your opinion to yourself. We don't want to hear about it. No, but what I we do want to know is more ideas. Like, if you have more characters and more uh, uh, weapons. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We're, I'm out of musicals, man. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gone that route. I was trying to go more Canadian, and then you went all like Shakespeare and musicals. On I went recognizable. Your very first comment when I pitched the game was, "Oh, pick people I know," and I was like, "I think you're gonna know them because I picked yeah. Shakespeare and." But I didn't think you would know musicals. Them. Yeah. I'm really good at transitions usually, and not today. Uh, okay, so we found an article from our Canadian friend, Omari Newton, who... Speaking of Shakespeare. He hails from Montreal Black Theatre Workshop. He wrote a really interesting car article about colorblind casting. Now... I can't, <laughs> I can't remember if this actually made the show or not, but we've definitely talked about this briefly. Colorblind casting is basically systemic racism. Okay, so I'll sum it up. So he went and saw All My Sons in New York and uh, some of the casting um, in that show. It's an Arthur Miller show. 
some of it was changed to uh, black people, um, but it didn't make any sense in terms of when the story took place and who the characters were. Um, and he found himself taking himself out of the story quite often, trying to at least justify those choices um, and couldn't. So apparently there was actually um, and, quite the... And, and in the end, like quite insulted, right? Like yeah. in, in the yeah. end, like it's actually this is quite problematic. Well, and his his example is, okay, so All My Sense takes place in, I want to say 1947. It was like three years after the war ended, I think is what the comment was. And there was like a, the neighbors in the show were a biracial couple, which weren't originally how they were written. But this particular production that's in New York, I think right now, um, decided to uh, cast the wife of the neighbor's wife as a as a black woman. So the context there is that like in Ohio, which is where the show takes place at that time, interracial couples were allowed to get married, but it wouldn't have been something that people just didn't pay attention to. And they basically ignored that fact, which was distracting. So his point is you can't just ignore history to do colorblind casting. Um, Also, colorblind casting is just whitewashing people. Um, And... I mean, his point, he even says in his article, he's like, are we just supposed to pretend that, like, slavery didn't exist because we decided to, like, cast differently? Um, He's proposing... So, and then another interesting thing about this article that I found kind of cool slash annoying was uh, the original director of it, because they went through two, um, had proposed changing several of the roles to black people. And... Arthur Miller's estate, his daughter, said, I don't understand why you're doing this. What I suggest you do is colorblind casting and just open up the casting to everybody. And the director said no and quit in protest. It's He said it has to be conscious. It can't just be because we f- feel like, you know, checking a diversity box. So that director actually left the show, which in this case, Omari Newton actually says was the right thing to do. Um, Because what ends up happening is this confusing, insulting storyline that makes no sense. So he's proposing color conscious casting. So if you're going to change traditional roles, at least be conscious of the history behind them. So that's his argument. Um, I, I, I definitely agree with it. I think that colorblind casting is super problematic. Um, not in every case, but in most cases, I think that, I think that what needs to not be seen when you say, when you're a white person and you say something like, I don't see color, what you're doing is you're seeing colored people as white people. And I think that that needs to be something that's really understood. Um, you're ignoring somebody's history. You're ignoring somebody's uh, marginalization, essentially, and that's not helping the situation. I think, and for me, it goes back to our conversation about canon, right? Like, I think I think this is ultimately my point about canon because, I, um, like, I had a talk with my mom after about that episode. She's like, I, I just like seeing like somebody's different take on stuff. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't have an actual problem with doing Shakespeare again or, or all this this stuff. Like, the, 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 my problem is, one, just how often it's done. But two, bringing it back to this, that is All My Sons the best play to talk about this, right? Like, it, so if you're wanting, like, a diverse cast, <laughs> is All My Sons the best play to do? 
if you're wanting a, a, a story that tells like that, that makes a comment on our society and like the inequality or whatever it is that you're trying to do, like that, that, that's one of the things that like I couldn't figure out from Omar's um, writing. And I don't think he could either is what, what comment were you trying to make? Like, what was the point of it? Like, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to say? Like every choice that you're making is saying something. And if you're just putting it out there and letting people like kind of make their own, like that's, that's lazy. Don't be lazy. So if you're trying to say something about race and America and where we are and where we came from and what the way out or like what the issues are, then is all my sons the best play, the best play to do that. Right. And that's where I like create something new, create something new, something new is bet will have something better to say. Or do all my sons, but do it accurately. Yeah, in which case it won't have anything to say about that stuff. Or if you are going to have something to say about it, you might have to rewrite it. Or you have to like actually commit to it and make commentary on it. Which the which I was saying the Miller estate didn't didn't allow them to do. Yeah, because they didn't get it all. Like she like and and like the Miller's estate like uh their their comment uh, to the director was like, "No, this is this sounds a lot like all all lives matter kind of rhetoric, which is very problematic. Which is great that you recognize that all that that's problematic, but like you're you're just you're participating in an equally problematic thing, right? So she essentially was denying that voice to be heard from yeah. that perspective of that time frame in that particular show, which I, I think is was like too bad. I, it'd be interesting to see like what that director's reasoning was like i like is all my sons the, the play to do that with i like find a different play like find a different play like i You're was right. thinking about like when we were talking about talking about this topic uh i was gonna rag on like oh it's like if uh romeo and juliet like somebody was like oh, i'm gonna i'm gonna explore uh gender identity with romeo and juliet and it's just gonna be a, a gay couple and that's how i that's gonna be my thing and then the, the two families hating each other is going to be uh, symbolic of uh, how, like, we don't have dialogue anymore. And I stopped myself because I thought, well, actually, that'd be a, a play I'd be interested in seeing. I know, right? <laughs> but then he makes an interesting comment, and this is coming from Omari, and he was saying, you know, what was really distracting was all of a sudden one of the white characters had a black dad. Or was it a black mother? I can't remember. Yeah, I think it's dad. Yeah, that's right. So it was a black dad. And then his immediate thought was, well, is he in jail? And then all of a sudden it becomes this internal commentary about racist judicial systems in America, especially during that time, but especially now. And that was never talked about. And this is and this is what's sad about it is that then all of a sudden, because you're seeing these differences in a time frame where that normally wouldn't have been common, you're making these assumptions that are inherently racist. And that is super problematic. And that's what is problematic about colorblind casting. Because all you're doing, like I've said before, all you're doing is putting your, your whitewashing on it, your white lensing everybody. But the other people who might not necessarily be doing that are, they're going to be filling those gaps. And those gaps might be racist um immediate thoughts that happen to them and i think that that's that's sad and then that's also just causing an inner commentary with somebody who's viewing the show that isn't necessary i think even though all my sons might not be 
the best show to like consider doing some sort of like different type of casting in terms of uh, BIPOC people. I think that it's actually a really good example of how it's gone wrong. You know, this isn't the sh- this isn't the show to choose. Maybe you shouldn't be doing this show anymore as well. I mean, really, like to me, a lot of those shows too. It's like you know they were like, oh, Annette Benning's in it, and so and so's in it, and I can't remember who else they said was in it. It's Tracy, basically Tracy like, Letts. yeah, it's like the actors fucking wanking off on stage, basically doing like these roles that they've always wanted to do. And it's like, oh, we're going to put this famous person in a Broadway show for like six weeks or eight months or however long they stay in the show just to like make a shit ton of money on a show that, you know, like everybody already knows. So it's like a safety net, right? It's It doesn't cost much money. You know, there's going to be a huge return on it. And then it's like, oh, maybe we'll just toss in some like diversity in there so that we look relevant while we're doing that. And all they did was cause huge, huge problems. It's just worse. It's worse than like just adding like somebody should just be holding like a sparkler while they're up there just to be like, look at how interesting we are. It's, and to me, it just comes back to it's not our problem to to solve. Like we keep on trying to solve these problems, right? Oh, I want to do a wait, show with wait. Annette Benning and Tracy Letts. Like white like people. Like we white people, right? Like, yeah. oh, I want to do I want to do the show with uh, Annette Benning and Tracy Letts. Oh, I also want to like I just 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 talk to the community, right? Talk to the community and say, hey, like how I, I want to do this and I want to to be respectful of you and I want to be thoughtful of you and I want uh I, I want you to have a voice. I want to get make space. I that that's the thing, right? What are you doing? Are you making space or are you just ticking a box? Because if you're trying to make space, there's a better way of doing it, right? Ha, like just you don't have to have the answers. You're the person who's asking the questions and you're connecting people and giving them a voice, right? So just figure out like. What do you want your stage to be? Let me give yeah. you a stage. Pick your stage and and it's yours. <clears throat> be their ally. That's what's important. And I think that's what everybody forgets. Because an, an, an ally means that you're not going to be in the spotlight anymore. An ally means you're not going to be the center of attention, which is probably about time. And it's not about patting yourself on the back. It's no. not, a, right? Like, the, the, like this is what this feels like. It's it's like a pat on my back. Like, it's just mm-hmm. like, yay, I put some, right? Like, it's just... That's no. tokenism, man. That's taking boxes. When we were had like this is a uh, off topic. Uh, when we were having that conversation about tokenism, I, I was uh, a lot more optimistic about it than I think that it deserves to be optimistic, right? Because I was saying like, well, it, it creates, it shifts the conversation, right? So now we're we're suddenly instead of talking about like the value of like diverse voices of diversity or diverse voices, right? Like we're talking about like how to improve that value or how to make it more meaningful. Um, but there's actually a lot of studies that are like so sad that show that like that that only goes to change the mind of people whose whose minds already changed basically that yeah. only affects people who are already are like yeah we need more diversity and inclusion yeah. in the industry yeah. uh and so now that we're having this conversation now we need to move it forward yeah and i think that a really good example of that is the canadian heritage taking away the funding for the nac yeah. indigenous man like their season because i mean really like all that's showing is that like they wanted to do it at first because they wanted to show that they were including everybody and then now they're not. So I think the the headline was the government's willing to su- uh, to support indigenous people, but not value them. 
I read another good one today. Like there was something like along the lines of like Canadian arts uh, supports uh, indigenous arts uh, while oppressing them at the same time. Something like that. There's just a lot of ass kicking going. That's really we we really deserve right. Like so you so you're doing a land acknowledgement. Great. What does that mean? Why? Like just just to check a box. Like and I think that's a question that you and like we decided to do a land acknowledgement because we wanted to start off on the right foot, but it, it, it's a question that we need to be asking ourselves too, right? Like is great. We've sacrificed literally nothing in making that land acknowledgement. I know. It's right? the same as like, it's you know, like nothing. liking a post because somebody said something like politically correct or whatever, like yeah. that doesn't do anything. Land acknowledgements is a really good example because um, a lot of people do it because they feel like they're supposed to, but they actually don't know what they're saying. And I think we need to start getting to the point where we're looking into that further individually and not be afraid to. Um, And then start having meaning behind that and then asking questions and going further and further and further. I think a land acknowledgement is a really good step. But don't just stop there, which is the way I feel like Canada Heritage, Canadian Heritage did. They funded something once. They were like, great step for TRC. High five to us. Now, now I'm going to go do something else. And it's like, no, no, that's not where it ends. Okay, you guys, like this is just <laughs> and the, it's not the beginning. Just, we're going to like minimize their funding. It's like just nothing. We're just I know, like, right? <laughs> nothing, nothing Brutal. at all. But in, in terms of, uh, I mean, I've been focusing in this conversation in terms of BIPOC, but I think you also, and you've commented on this a couple times, but I want to hear further about... Um, uh sexual orientation in terms of casting yeah um but yeah so it this doesn't just end with bipoc um it also continues on with gender and sexual orientation yeah so this is something that we've grappled with once before on the podcast and and um actually several times before on a podcast and once and, it never made the air <laughs> yeah, yeah un, undisclosed episodes um which is the question of uh should straight people play um uh queer people uh and i think that we 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 didn't end it on a question like we we talked about this a couple episodes back and we were pretty like again the same same kind of conclusion right like it's not up to you to decide that like uh, go to the LGBTQ community, ask them like, hey, uh, I want to do this, but I want to do it because I want to understand you. I want to uh, connect with you. I want to tell your stories. I, I want to use my platform, like whatever it is. I, I want to be respectful of your stories and, and and then listen to what they have to say. Right. Like if it's if they say, no, we, th- we find it quite problematic for y- you to be playing uh, a queer person, then listen to that and and walk away. I've. It's come up again in my Twitter feed. A queer... So Corey Payette, I'll just say his name. Um, Corey Payette, uh, who wrote the musical uh, Children of God, just wrote a very simple tweet that was along the lines of, I love to see more queer characters being played by queer actors. Nothing, didn't suggest anything, didn't imply, like, here's how we go about doing it, anything like that. Just a simple, like, I want to see these characters being played by... um, Queer actors naturally followed a good old fashioned Twitter pylon. Now, now I will say, like theater pylons aren't uh, as bad as pylons on, in the states, right? Uh, I do witness uh, political pylons, uh, and so, I, like, I will say, like, that's not what happened to Corey's. But there were a lot of questions, uh, and it seemed like 
just from profile pictures, uh, straight white, probably uh, um, straight straight men, white men, uh, commenting on well, what does it look like, and uh, like, are you an arbiter of of people's sexual identity, and like, this is isn't that problematic? Isn't this a slippery slope? And so it kind of uh, made me think a little bit more deeply about it because we talked uh, i think that when we talked about it we didn't get into it to this level like we were because we we always get stumped by the hr side of it yeah so we and i don't think that this one was published when we talked about the hr side of it which is like can you actually have a question that is like are you straight like what's your sexual identity or sexual orientation or or that was the article that struck this was like can you question sexual identity when casting and so my very first thought about that, like somebody asked something very similar to that. And my very f- first thought about it is like, does it have to be like, first of all, does it have to be explicit? Like, does it have to be like, uh, hey, are you straight or gay? Or can we have like a conversation with people? Can we say, hey, why are you interested in doing this play? Why are you interested in this in this role to begin with? And, and I think you kind should of do it take anything, it from there. Really. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, whatever you story a- you're telling, you want to make sure that people are on board with and they're not just trying to get a paycheck. Yeah, and that they've they're thoughtful about it. The other thing that I have, and, and you know, maybe HR people can get on my case on Twitter, um, is isn't isn't the question about like sexual identity. Like I thought about it in two ways. First of all, like I'm a marketing specialist at a, a at a credit union. For somebody in my for my position to for there to be a uh question about my sexual identity or sexual orientation or sexual preference or whatever it is uh has no bearing on how i do my job like and that's the point of it is you can be straight gay bi trans like you can do marketing the the exact same no matter like right like it it's and, and if you look at the if, um, the equi- the Canadian Actors Equity Union uh, has a code of conduct that actually outlines that very specifically in terms of not in my space type attitude. That's the name of their code of conduct. It's it's basically a prevention of um, bullying or sexual misconduct and blah, blah, blah. Which is which is so that's the second thing that that's trying to uh quell is discrimination against people who are discriminated against which is gay people trans people right like queerful uh like that's the like if you were to say like okay fine no we just want to be curious you can't ask that question because it it tends to uh favor uh favor straight people if right so so that those are kind of the hr implications of having that question Neither of those apply in this context. First of all, the idea that, that what Corey is pointing out is that, yes, being queer does make you better suited for telling queer stories. It does make a difference. It does make a difference in your ability to do the job. Like that is a part of doing a job. Right. So that that's what he's pointing out, which. What were the trolls pointing out? Like they were saying, like, well, what's oh, an acting? An actor and, and, uh, w- the yeah. bigger the well, difference between who I am and an actor and who my character is, the more powerful the story is going to be. Well, and that's basically what Robert Lepage said too: is when you're an actor, you're in someone else's shoes. Yeah. So be in somebody else's shoes and listen to what like the actual person has to say, <laughs> right? Like somebody whose shoes you're wanting to be in is clearly sounding out an alarm here and like i think it's worth listening so and and then here's the other thing is that 
you can't discriminate against straight people. Like, literally, they have, they occupy 98% of the public space. Like, if something is for queer people, like, they, straight people can then go to 98% of the other space. So, again, like, in this case, the idea of asking this question would not be too, would not be, would not have the side effect of adding to the discrimination, but rather the opposite. So I was just thinking, like, man, there's a whole lack of nuance. Like, And people will immediately start talking about, well, this is a slippery slope. And I want people to stop saying, I want people to stop using the slippery slope argument without saying what is the slippery slope to, because they don't yeah, even know. Yeah, because, I mean, it's not like... It's not like you're going to have like a queer person playing a queer person who's exactly like themselves. Like that queer person could play a queer person who isn't anything like them. That's what acting fucking is. But maybe the important factor behind it is that they're a queer person. Like that's sort of like the baseline. But just because you're a queer person doesn't mean that's 100% of your identity. It's the same with colorblind casting. You know, it makes sense because it's like... This is a story that a a white straight person isn't going to understand because they didn't have to live through it. And exactly what you're talking about is like when people are piling on Corey and saying like, oh, well, what's acting and blah, blah, blah. That's fucking white fragility and you need to shut up about it. And that's what I'm talking about, about making space, being an ally and being an ally sometimes is not saying anything. You just listen because you don't know. You don't know. You've never had to live through it. And that's what I think is really important in these situations. Yeah. Yeah. And it just comes across as such wank. Like, we used, you used the word wanking, like, earlier. Like, it's the same thing, right? Like, just, like, let me wank. Like, I just want to clarify that I use the word wank constantly, not earlier. <laughs> sorry, let me, let me say that again. You can edit this one in. You use the word wank constantly, as well as earlier in the episode. <laughs> Like, it, it, I also want to just, just point out that you used that. the word quell like it didn't mean anything. <laughs> like, that's a big word, man. I only know that word because of Hunger Games. Oh, uh, okay, I'll, cha- I'll change it to synonym, abate. We want to abate. Quell's the best. <laughs> the quota quell. Uh, yeah, I'm totally like disarming this topic. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine. I felt like I being funny. I, I had nowhere else to go with it. Basically, when you think that you're colorblind casting, you're not. And if you're upset that you think that perhaps maybe part of your audition process should include questions based on sexual preference or who you identify with, you're upset about that, you can fucking shove it. That's <laughs> what I'm saying right now. Because that is the that is the definition of white fragility. And white supremacy, I'm going to go as far to say. That's, it's that's... not like <laughs> finding a way to ask people about like their sexual preference is not going to lead to Nazism. It's not going to, no, it's like not. whatever your worst, like what does this lead to? Like, what's the, like, uh, it's just this so like chill the but fuck I really out. Like, like your original argument too was like, okay, so there's a show and they're like, you know, here's the character description. And it's this, this male is 
This male identifies as queer, and that is an integral part to the show. If you're a straight dude, don't audition for that show. You know what I mean? Like, I think that there needs to be some accountability on that end as well, so that maybe people don't have to start fucking asking. They can just trust. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. And there's plenty of other roles for you. So just fuck off, man. Just let there's so many roles for you. (laughs) So uh, lessons of the day is Tom used the word quell outside of Hunger Games. (laughs) Um, Be an ally. Don't be a dick or a wank. And babe will always win in a fight. <laughs> Those are some good lessons. Good night, everybody. <laughs> this has been uh, Miss Cues. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, like us on podcasts and then follow us on social medias. Yeah. This is a... I said that I'm just pretending my screen froze or something. I don't know. My mind blanked. Um, I really would like to encourage our two listeners, which is Tommy Kate, <laughs> to to call out our ideas and our opinions more often. Uh, not not Tommy Kate. Any other listeners that are out there? Because I I want to be called out. I want to be don't. challenged. Mm-hmm. Tom doesn't. Don't I do. pile on. I, I want to be piled on because I want to have the opportunity to have discourse. Gross. That is the point. Pylons. Pylons is the point. That is how you uh, engage in interesting conversations with people. And yes. you know what? We're, we don't have to agree, but I definitely want to talk about it. No, I gotta agree. So. Well, then it'll just be me. <laughs> Uh, don't talk to me if you're not going to agree with me. <laughs> don't tweet at me if you're saying <laughs> stupid shit. Only tweet at me if you say things like, Tom, you're a fucking genius. Tom, can you talk to me some more? Tom, I can't wait for your next episode. Tom, say some more. I, I'm doing, The reason I'm doing this podcast is because I have a God complex, and I don't have nearly enough attention lavished upon me as a straight uh. white dude. I need more attention. I'm on really? Twitter. 